Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. And like I said, we're going to be sharing today on the communion table. And, um, you know, this is a subject that I love to teach on. The word communion comes from the very same root word where we get our word common and, and I don't mean common like well it's just it's just common stuff as as in not important stuff that that's not the kind of common I I intend by that but I, when I say common I mean that we have something in common with with one another we have something in common with Christ. And when we partake of the communion table, we are partaking of something that uh, you have in common with the Lord. Praise God. And um, then it, it is also where we get our word community. It's also where, and on the negative side of that, it's where we get the, uh, where the word communism comes from. Uh, but we're talking about the positive side of this, okay? And so we're talking about what we have in common with the Lord. And when we partake of the communion table, it is what is in common with Him. Praise God. And so, um, you know, our identification is what we have in common with Him. Our identification is in Him. He chose to come and identify with us. He chose to, to take on this common humanity with us. The Bible says that He was in the beginning with God, and though He was God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, yet He emptied Himself, and He came in the form of a man in the form of a servant and he came and dwelt among us and um, you know so we are uh, we're talking about our commonality with the Lord today praise God um, and it is Jesus said that when we partake of the communion table he said that we are to do this in remembrance of of him. In other words, he wants to remind us of what we have in common with him. Praise God. See, too many times we forget what we have in common with him. We think, oh, he's God, he's in heaven, I'm down here, he's he's all good, but I'm all you know, messed up down here. I'm struggling down here. I'm suffering down here. I'm going through stuff down here. And we forget what we have in common with Him. The Apostle John wrote these words. He says that we, uh, as He is, so are we in this world. Praise God. As He is, so are we in this world. We have something in common with the Lord, and that's not just in common with the fact that He came and He walked on this earth as a man, but we have something in common with where He is seated now. The Bible says that we are in Christ. We are seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Praise God. We've got this in common with Him. Praise God. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and, and I had a, a lot of things that I wanted to share today, but there is uh, uh, not time for me to share everything that's in my heart today. So, 
we're going to focus in on what the Apostle Paul taught us about the communion table. I was going to talk about the fact that the communion table is, is the New Testament, uh, um, well, started with the Passover back in the land of Egypt and how that the children of Israel, when they came out of Egypt, they celebrated the Passover. And the Lord, through the Passover, brought them out of Egypt, which is a type and shadow of, uh, uh, of the life of sin and the life of, uh, of darkness that, that we all lived in prior to coming to know Jesus as our Savior. Praise God. We... Uh, and it was a type and shadow of that. The crossing of the Red Sea coming out of Egypt was a type of, uh, of being born again. Uh, and, you know, the, the, uh, that we have entered into this relationship with him. And there's all kinds of, uh, of uh, typology in uh, the Passover. And then Jesus, right before he went to the cross... He celebrated the Passover with his disciples. And he said that, he said, this is the last time I'm going to partake of this with you before I suffer. He said, then I'm going to suffer. And when I come back from that, it's going to be a new revelation. It's going to be a new thing that we're going to celebrate together. And, and we have come to know that as the communion table. The, the, and so the Apostle Paul addressed this in 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter. It says, now in giving these instructions, verse 17, by the way, it says, now in giving these instructions, I do not praise you since you come together uh, not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear there are divisions among you, and in part I believe it, for there must be factions among you that those who are approved may be recognized. He said, you know, the, uh, you're wanting those that are approved, those who hold some kind of a special status is what he's saying, that, that they may be recognized. And he said, this is going on. It's not a good thing. That's what, that's what Paul said. He says, this is not a good thing. And he said, there must be factions among you that those who are approved may be recognized among you. Therefore, when you come together in one place, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of others, and one is hungry and another is drunk. What, do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I do not praise you in this. And then he begins to give us these instructions, which are so vitally important to us. Paul says, for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, we miss this part in remembrance of me many times. And we say, well, okay, we remember that Jesus was here. We remember that he died on the cross. But we don't remember a whole lot else. So, so much of what Jesus did and why he did it, and that's the important thing. It's not just to remember that Jesus was here. It's not just to remember that he died on the cross uh, for you and, and, and forget what that really means to you. You know, we've missed the point when we approach the communion table in that way. But he wants us to remember what we have in common with him. We, he wants us to remember why he went to the cross. He wants us to remember what that means to us. Praise God. For it is as we remember, let's, let's go on and let's, let's read a little bit further, and then we're going to come back and we're going to elaborate on some of this. 
He says, um, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, uh, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. I would underline that word there, discerning, not discerning the Lord's body. And then he says, for this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. But if another is hungry, let him eat at home, lest you come together for judgment, and the rest I will set in order when I come. Now, what's he saying there? He's saying if, you, if you're coming and you're partaking of this meal because you're hungry, you're missing the point. That's, that's not what this is about. This is about bringing us into a place of remembrance. Praise God. Now, there is a difference, and we need to understand this. There is a difference in the body of Christ and the body of Jesus. Okay, but I thought Jesus was Christ. Okay, hang with me for a minute. You're going to understand. The difference between the body of Christ and the body of Jesus. We are called the body of Christ. We're not called the body of Jesus. Now, we've got to understand that that, uh, Christ is not his middle name. Christ is means the anointed, the anointed one. And so when he says we are the body of Christ, he's saying we are the body of the anointed, or I like to say it this way because I believe it, it accurately explains what that means. And I, I, I like to say that we are the embodiment of the anointing. We are the embodiment of the anointing. You see, when Jesus came into this world, he came in to this world born of a virgin, born as, a, as an infant, came into this world, and they called the body, the, the humanity that he, that he took on, they, they named the humanity Jesus. Prior to his birth in Bethlehem, he was not Jesus, but he was always God the Word. He was in the beginning with God. He was God, and he was there from before creation. He is called the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. So he has always existed, but they gave the the humanity that he became a name and they called his name Jesus. So the humanity there had the name Jesus. So we are not the body of Jesus. We are the body of Christ. We are the embodiment of the anointing. And when Jesus walked on this earth and he ministered on this earth, Jesus was the embodiment of the anointing. But he said, I'm going to go back to heaven, and when I go back to heaven, I am going to send the Holy Spirit that has anointed me, and he is going to move on the inside of you, and he is going to anoint you, so you will become the embodiment of the anointing. Praise God. 
When we begin to understand that and grasp that, I'm telling you, it's, it's transformative. Praise God. Uh, so, you know, we're not, and, and let me just add this. I've heard people say, I am the church, the church which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. And, and they say, well, I'm the church. No, we are the church. Not you individual. See, because the Bible says that the body is not one member, but many. So it is impossible for you alone to be the body of Christ. It is impossible for you alone to be the church. You need me. It's true. And I need you. Because alone, I am not the church. I am not the body. But we are the body. Praise God. Now, when, when Paul said these words, he said, now you are the body of Christ. He wasn't talking to an individual. He was talking to the church. Praise God. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse number 30, it says, For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many have, many sleep, or many have literally died prematurely. Now, I want to talk about this. Very, very important, because today, I've already shared with you that I believe that God is wanting to minister healing to people. So I want you to begin to receive this word. Notice what he said there in verse 30. For this reason. Notice what he did not say. Sometimes it's important to understand what he did not say. He did not say, this is one reason. Or this is one of the reasons that many are weak and sick among you. He said, for this reason, or this is the reason, there is no other place in all of God's Word that says this is the reason many are weak and sick among you. So if you, well, you know, I just don't know why. Go to your, go to 1 Corinthians 11.30, and it'll tell you why. For this reason. And what is the reason that he says? He says, for this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many have died prematurely. And here's what he says, not discerning the Lord's body. So he gives us a single reason why many are weak and sick among us, and many have died prematurely. So here, if you, if you see me, Weak and sick, you know the reason. The reason is, I am not discerning the Lord's body. Now, I have to know what discerning means to know that I can do something about that. Okay? Now, I'll be, I have to be perfectly honest with you that I don't walk in everything I know. Now, my goal is to walk in everything I know. I know I should walk in everything I know. But the honest fact of the matter is, I don't every day of my life walk in everything I know. I know more than what I walk in. Now, when I say walk in, I mean what I'm experiencing in my life. Sometimes I experience things in my life, in my body, that are not what God said. Sometimes, you know, I mean, here, here's the fact. In the month of February, I experienced COVID. COVID was not the will of God for me. And Jesus provided that I wouldn't have to have COVID. But I had it. It's not his fault. That's on me. I'm not walking in everything I know. And the whole time I had it, 
I knew that it was not the will of God for me. See, here's where we get in a mess sometimes. It's when we start thinking that just because something happens to us, it must be the will of God. No, I, I have a lot of things happen to me that are not the will of God. You have a lot of things happen to you. Own it. Own up to it. Jesus provided better for you. Praise God. Let's be honest about it because you'll never get better until you acknowledge that you're not walking in the best. As long as you think of what you're experiencing today is the best there is, oh, well, you know, it must be God's will. I'm walking in the will of God. I'm the, as long as you believe that, you're not going to get better. You're going to have to believe there's something better out there than what you have. You're going to have to believe that Jesus paid a price so you could have something better than what you have. You know, whatever you're experiencing in your life today, I want you to say this with me. Say, Jesus has something better for me. Whatever you wish could change in your life, whatever you see that God's Word promises that you're not experiencing in your life, you know, what God's Word promises, what God's Word said, that is what God wants you to walk in. Too many times we're looking at our experience to determine the will of God. Rather than determining the will of God from His Word and then expecting our experience to change. See, that's, that's the way God wants us to live. He wants us to live by what he said. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's what he wants us to live by. Praise God. Now, get this. He said, for this reason, many are weak and sick among you. What is the reason? We said it is not discerning the Lord's body. What does that word discerning mean? That word discerning means to separate. I'm discerning what's true and what's false. I'm separating the two. I am taking one thing that is false and I'm putting it over here. I am taking what is truth and I'm putting it over here. Okay, so I'm separating between the two. That's what the word discerning means. I'm separating it out. So if you tell me, you know, some, some people talk a lot, right? Anybody know anyone like that? They just talk all the time and, you know. And you really have to discern what is the truth. And what is not? All right, that's what he's saying here. We've got to discern the body of Christ. We've got to, or I, I said the body of Christ. Actually, I misstated that because you're going to think I'm, I contradicted myself. No, I just misspoke. Okay, because I'm going to say something here in a minute. He didn't say we didn't discern the body of Christ. He said we didn't discern the Lord's body. Now, who's the Lord? Jesus is Lord, right? So he said, we, we now, let's, let's go back to that for just a moment because I, I just m made a mess of that and now I've got to fix it. Okay? So here's, here's the deal. He says, not discerning the Lord's body. You are the body of Christ, but you will never be the Lord. Okay? Jesus is the Lord. You will never be the Lord, but you are the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. Praise God. So when he's talking about the Lord's body, he's talking about the body of Jesus, not the body of Christ. He's talking about the body of Jesus. He, and he says that the reason many are weak and sick among you is because they have not discerned the Lord's body. 
They haven't discerned the body of Jesus. And what was, uh, you know, it was Jesus that went to the cross. I haven't been to the cross. You haven't been to the cross. Though we are the body of Christ, we haven't been to the cross. We were identified with the cross because Jesus went to the cross. He went to the cross so I wouldn't have to go to the cross. I was supposed to go to the cross, but he went to the cross so I wouldn't have to. So now he's saying that the reason many are weak and sick among you is because, uh, and many have died, is because we have not separated out the Lord's body. Now, another definition of that says to withdraw from. And there, there's, there's one side of that, that term to withdraw from. That means I'm going to withdraw from you. I'm going to get away from you. I'm gonna, but that's not the way he's using this word here. He says withdraw from. He's saying that, that we take out of what's pertinent and, and what is applicable to our situation. So he says, the reason many are weak and sick among you is because we see that Jesus hung on a cross, his body hung on a cross, but we have not taken out of that fact what we need, why he hung there. We're not withdrawing that from the fact. We know he hung on a cross, but we're not withdrawing from the fact that he hung on a cross what that means to us. See, we've got to look at what he did and withdraw what we need from that. See, because his body was broken for me. So what can I withdraw from that information? What can I withdraw from that fact? I can withdraw that if his body was broken, that my body should be whole. That's what it means to discern the Lord's body. I've got to withdraw that. I've got to withdraw that truth. Many times we just partake of the Lord's table and don't withdraw the truth from it. It's just something we do. It's just a ritual. It's just, you know, well, this is what we do when we go to church. Okay, give me some of that grape juice and a cracker. You know, and we just take it in a flippant manner and in a way and we don't withdraw from it what we need from it. And this is why I wanted you to talk, uh, wanted to talk with you today about this. He says, for this reason, the reason many are weak and sick among you and many have died prematurely is because they did not withdraw from the body of Christ that which they had need of. Now, how do we do that? Well, we've got to consider why he hung there on the cross. In John chapter 12, I want you to look at this. John chapter 12, verse number 31. says, now, Jesus is speaking here. He says, now is the judgment of the world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all italicized people to myself. Now, the reason I emphasize that, that it's italicized. Because when you see an italicized word in the King James or the New King James Version of the Bible, it means that word did not appear in the original language of the Bible, that it was added by Bible translators. Most of the time, they did a good job. But there are occasions, and this is one of those occasions, when they got it wrong. I didn't say the Bible's wrong. I said their addition of that word was wrong. Okay? Sometimes it's there to 
help clarify, but they didn't clarify, they confused by the addition of this word peoples or men in the King James Version. It says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. That's not what he said. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all to myself. Now, here's the important thing. What is all? Well, the Bible translators assumed that meant all people. But if they had looked at the context in which it was written, he wasn't talking about people. He said, the previous verse, verse 31, now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. Now, who is the ruler of this world? Now, a lot of people, they know, they know the scripture where Satan is called the ruler of the darkness of this age. They know the scripture where he is called the God of this age. Uh, and, and so they presume that it's talking about him. But in reality, who is the rightful ruler of this, age, of this world? You are. We are. We are the rightful rulers. God created man from the dust of the earth. And here's what he said in Genesis Chapter 1, verse number 26, I believe it is. He said, um, he, he said there, let us create man in our image, and in our likeness, and let them have what? Dominion. Most of you know that. He said, let them have dominion. Who is them? Them was Adam and Eve. Or the human race. Let mankind have dominion, and dominion means to rule. So he says, let man rule. So God told us there who is the rightful ruler of this world. You and I are. Now, let's look at this in the context that we just gave. Very next verse. And if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all to myself. Now, man is the rightful ruler of this age. And judgment was due to fall upon the human race. Every one of us had the judgment of God hanging over our heads prior to this time. Jesus, in the Bible, if you were to go through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, if you were to go through what we know as the Gospels, and count every time that Jesus referred to himself as the Son of God. Now, we all know Jesus was the Son of God, right? Everybody know that? Okay. But do you know that he rarely referred to himself as the Son of God? Most of the time, in speaking of himself, he referred to himself as the Son of Man. Why did he do that? Because he wanted to emphasize that he's a man. And so when Jesus went to the cross, he did not go there as the Son of God. If the Son of God hung on the cross, it doesn't mean much to you. But if the Son of Man hangs on the cross, it means everything to you. Why? Because here's what he says. Now the judgment of this world is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world is cast out. The Son of Man was hanging on the cross. The Son of Man was being judged. And as the Son of Man, He was identified with 
you. He was saying that the judgment that was that belonged to you as a member of the human race fell upon him at the cross. Now God in his foreknowledge in the book of Deuteronomy uh, that's chapter 21 verse number 23 in, in the book of Deuteronomy God in his foreknowledge put this verse in the Bible and the Apostle Paul refers to it in Galatians chapter 3 verse number 13 he referred to this when he said cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree why did Romans execute Jesus because Romans hung people on crosses Jews Jesus was a Jew Jews stoned people now that was symbolic because they were convicted by what was written on the stone tablets that Moses brought down the mountain and so they were convicted by the stones and then executed by the stones they were stoned to death so it was significant but Jesus couldn't be condemned by the stones there was nothing written on those stone tablets. Jesus broke none of those commandments. So nothing on those stones would have condemned him to death. And so he couldn't be stoned. If he couldn't be convicted by the stones, he couldn't be stoned to death. And so the Roman, I mean, at the perfect time when the Roman Empire was ruling the known world, their means of execution was to nail to a cross. Jesus came along, and in the foreknowledge of God, he put that scripture in the Bible. Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So, the Romans nailed Jesus to a tree. And the moment they nailed Jesus to a tree, the totality of the judgment and wrath and anger of God, the entire curse came upon Jesus at that moment. And because he had identified as the Son of Man, he hung on the cross as a man. So there is a man bearing the brunt, the, the full force of the judgment of God, and it falls upon Jesus because he was nailed to a tree. And when he was nailed to that tree, where did the curse come from? Jesus didn't have any curse on him. He hadn't broken any laws. Where did it come from? From you? From me? The totality of the curse was upon my head. And so in order for the curse to come upon him, it had to come off of me. It had to come off of you. Do you get that? Can you picture that? Can, can you just see that in, you, in your spirit eyes right now? That Jesus is nailed to the cross. Now, we're talking about discerning the Lord's body. We're talking about understanding why Jesus was nailed to that cross. We're talking about understanding what happened when he was nailed to that cross. The moment he was nailed there, the curse that was upon your head came off of you and onto him and was nailed to the cross. Jesus was lifted up. He died there. He was, he, he, he was buried and burial is where you properly dispose of what was what died so when jesus died the bible didn't say he became cursed it says he became the curse he became a curse the curse for us and so hanging on that cross was the curse 
So when he was buried, the curse was disposed of. Now, when Jesus rose again from the dead, the curse was no longer upon him. The curse had been disposed of. How do we know that? He rose again without sin. How do we know that? Because he went straight from the grave. He passed through the garden there and encountered Mary there in the garden. But he passed through the garden and he went to the throne room of God, went to the Holy of Holies in heaven. He could not have entered the Holy of Holies in heaven if he had still been the curse. If he had still been sin, he could not have entered the Holy of Holies. So he rose again, free from it, without it. This is why it is important that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So you've got to remember he was raised from the dead, and his resurrection from the dead means that he no longer was the curse. He was no longer sin. Why, you've got to believe he was raised from the dead. There's no salvation for, for you if he wasn't raised from the dead. Praise God. But he rose from the dead minus the curse. He rose from the dead minus sin. Sin had been put away. It had been disposed of. Now, we're learning to discern what the broken body of the Lord and the shed blood of the Lord meant. We're learning to discern that. That's, that's what we're doing right now this morning. We're learning to separate out from that cup. We're learning to separate out from that bread what's good for us. See, here's something Jesus said, I'm the bread come down from heaven. Well, the bread, if you have a loaf of bread laying on your dining room table, and it can lay there on your table, and you can die of starvation unless you eat it. See, Jesus said, except you eat my flesh, drink my blood, you have no life in you got to get it on the inside of you. When you eat a piece of bread, your body begins to work on that and begins to break it down and extract from that bread what you need for life. See, not everything that's in there is stuff you need. But your body extracts what is needed. Jesus said, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. There are life. There is life in his words. So Holy Spirit begins to work. When you receive the bread of life, Holy Spirit begins to extract or discern, begins to extract what is needed for your life from that. Well, today what you need might not be the same thing you need tomorrow, you know. But whatever is contained in that word of life, whatever is contained in that, Holy Spirit will extract from it. Whatever you need from the communion table today, Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Holy Spirit will extract from that what you have need of. Praise God. Maybe you need healing in your body today. Holy Spirit will extract from that bread the health that you need. Now, when Jesus was nailed to the cross, we said all the curse came upon him and it came off of you. So he discerned from you or he withdrew from you the curse. Now, in Galatians it says that he became a curse 
for us that the blessing might come. Now notice there, it's, it's really important. He became, past tense, the curse, so that the blessing might come. Future or present. He became, he discerned the curse, he withdrew from you the curse, but see, as you know what he did, then you can withdraw from him the blessing. He withdrew past the curse from you so that you might, at the moment you need it, withdraw from him the blessing. Praise God. Do you, do you see that? Do you get that? He did something past tense so you could present tense do something. Have something, receive something, so it might come upon you. Not only was his body broken, but his blood was shed. His blood was shed for the remission of your sins. His blood was shed, he withdrew from you. So now, as you put your trust in what he did, now you withdraw the remission of sin from him. Praise God. You withdraw from him the purity that God intended for you to have. Praise God. I trust that today that something's come alive on the inside of you, that you see something that you hadn't seen before. That you see what all took place and why Jesus said, take this and do this in remembrance of me. Because it's every time you remember, you withdraw. Now get this. He said that the reason many are weak and sick among you and many have died. See, I was always taught as a, as a kid, well, if you partake of the communion table and there are things in your life that are not right with God, buddy, you've had it. Because God is going, he said, you are eating and drinking judgment to yourself. So God is going to judge you, and he ain't happy about it. And he is going to judge you because you had the audacity to eat that bread and drink that cup with sin in your life. Well, let me just say this. If I drink that cup with sin in my life, what's the difference in that or eating of the bread with sickness in my life? Hmm. Do I need to go to the hospital after I get well? No, I need to go to the hospital before I get well. I go to the hospital to get well. So if I eat of that bread because I'm sick, I'm doing it because the bread is going to bring healing into my life. If I drink of that cup because I have sin in my life, I'm partaking of that cup because that cup was for the remission of my sin. I'm withdrawing the remission of sin from Him. He withdrew my sin from me. Now I'm withdrawing remission of sin from Him. Oh, but doesn't it say that, that you eat and you drink judgment to yourself? Well, remember we read if Jesus said, if I be lifted up on the cross, he said, from the earth, he said, I will draw all this judgment 
to myself. If I be lifted up, he was lifted up from the earth, I will draw all judgment to myself. So, notice there, here's, here's, what the, here's what the point of that is. The point is that he took the judgment, but if I refuse to accept the fact that he took the judgment, I just take it to myself. Did you know that even though Jesus already shed his blood for the forgiveness of your sins, if you refuse to accept that he did that, that you will spend eternity in hell? It's not what he intended. That's not what he planned. That wasn't his purpose. That wasn't, you know, he's not, he's not going to send you to hell because he's mad at you, because he's angry with you. No. He bore your sin. He did that so you wouldn't have to pay for it. But how can you receive the forgiveness of sins if you refuse the very reason you can be forgiven? If you refuse what he paid, how can you possibly be forgiven? So therefore, the judgment that came upon him now remains upon you. If I eat and I drink of the communion table, the bread and, and blood of the Lord, if I refuse to withdraw from that, then I am hanging on to it. And I'm saying, let the full judgment come upon me. And that's what, it, that's exactly, that. you want to know why people go to hell? People go to hell because they will not receive the fact that the Lord was already judged in their place. And so, you know, I'm, I remember as a, well, if I partake of this with sin in my, that's going to be the reason for Sickness and disease coming upon me. Because I partake with sin in my life, God's going to put sickness and disease on me. No. Let me ask you this question. How many of you know someone who has never received the communion table at all? Never. In their life. They've, they've never received the communion table. You know, or, or you know somebody who probably hasn't. Okay, you might not know that for a fact, but you, you know there's somebody. Well, let me ask you. Is that person ever sick? Hmm. Then it seems to me that partaking of the communion table has nothing to do with sickness and disease coming upon you. If somebody can never receive, I mean, there are people who have never received the communion table ever in their life, ever, but yet sickness and disease comes upon them. So how then could receiving with sin in their life be the cause of their sickness? Seems to me that if that were the cause, I would be better off to just never receive it. So that's not the cause for sickness and disease coming upon you. Now, here's the deal. If I partake in an unworthy manner, the purpose of the bread is to take sickness off of me. And if I partake without discerning the Lord's body, then it won't take it off of me. See, we flipped that whole thing upside down. We said it's the reason it's going to come. No, it's the reason that it didn't take it off of you. Sickness and disease comes whether you ever partake of the communion table or not. But if you don't discern the Lord's body, 
it won't do what it's supposed to do, which is take it off of you. So if you're hearing me today, I want to invite you, if you've been watching online, get your communion elements ready. If you haven't received yet, uh, uh, go ahead and come. Like I said, there's some right here, some back there, I believe. And if you haven't received the communion table yet, we're going to do it. And we're going to discern the Lord's body. Praise God. And I apologize that I didn't hold everybody off this morning. I intended to do that, but I was a little late pulling the trigger. And so, if you received today, well, remember why you did it, okay? Let's put it that way. Remember why you did it. Remember what was in it. Praise God. So we lift the bread today. I want us to remember that the body of Jesus was crushed so that our bodies could be healthy and whole. Say this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I withdraw today what I need from your broken body. Thank you, Jesus, for suffering in my place. Now, before we partake, let's just give everyone an opportunity to join us today. You see, this is a, this, this is a meal for the body of Christ. If you've never received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, that this is not for you. But it can be because you can receive Jesus as your Savior right now. You can withdraw from the cup. You can withdraw the remission of your sins. You can receive what this blood was shed for. You can receive it right now. He talks about that if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. So I want everybody to say this with me right now. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe that your blood was shed for me for the remission of my sin. I believe that you died on that cross so that I would not have to die for my sins. And then you were raised from the dead so I could have new life. I put my trust in your shed blood for my salvation. I put my trust in your broken body for my healing. Jesus, I withdraw from you right now the remission of sin and the health for my body. Thank you, Jesus. And if you still got your communion elements, let's partake of the bread today. And when we do, receive, just say, I receive my healing. And then say this with me. Lord Jesus thank you that my sins are remitted thank you Lord thank you Lord Jesus
Thank you once again for joining us today online. We value you and we want to hear from you. If you made a decision for Christ today, you can select I Choose Jesus on our website. And we've got a couple videos for you to watch so that you can get started on your walk with God. We've also got a free ebook that you can download right from our website called I Choose Jesus. And I want to encourage you to do that. Once again, thank you for joining us. And remember that God is madly in love with you.